Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. And then we're going to read from the letter of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm reading the first 11 verses. To the elders among you, writes Peter, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you had suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to these words that come from our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, and from the apostles. And as we read them today, we pray, Lord, that they would be of comfort to us and challenge to us and that you would lead us in the right paths. Amen. In these last weeks, uh, leadership's been on the news quite a lot. 
I, I, we were in holiday when we heard that the Prime Minister had resigned, or had he resigned? He's not gone yet, has he? Um, but the Prime Minister had resigned, and we were also hearing that the, the roads were melting because it was 40 degrees, and I was just waiting to come back and find that the, the, the sun had gone out and the end of the world had come. But yeah, these days, it's all about leadership, isn't it? Leadership contests and different types of leaders and all the rest of it. And I think one of the things that's striking about the current debate about leadership at the moment or the prime minister is it's not just about policy. It's about character. Do we want to have leaders who are honest in a world of spin? Do we want to have leaders that when they tell us to do something are actually doing it themselves? Is there an integrity about the life that they have? Or are they using their office to have a party, to look after the cronies, and just do what they want? Big questions about what we want for leaders. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult in this age because we have become very, very cynical about people who lead, haven't we? Whether it's in business, whether it's in uh, the church, or whether it's in education, or whether it's in politics. It doesn't matter what your politics are, we become very, very cynical. Down to the level, you actually think, who would want these jobs? What abuse are they going to get? What are people going to say about them? What's it going to be said on, on social media or in the newspapers about what they do? How are they going to pry into their private lives? Now, some of that's right, because unfortunately, we've had to become a lot more wary because sometimes leadership is abused even in the church. So we turn to this last passage from Peter's letter, and it's about leadership. Now, in the early church, there was perhaps no more prominent a leader than Peter. Peter was the spokesman for the disciples in the Gospels. He was the one that Jesus singled out. He called him the rock. He put him in charge, as it were. And when we read the book of Acts, we find that in the early days in Jerusalem, Peter seemed to be in charge. He was the prominent original leader in the church of Jerusalem. And if we read beyond the book of Acts into the early church tradition, we find that the story is that Peter went to Rome. Uh, and in Rome, he was, if not the founder of the church, certainly its first leader, the, the first bishop, as it were, of Rome. And the authority of Peter in the early church appears to have been undisputed. A really important figure. And yet, I don't know about you, but as I read that chapter, and sometimes when we read a chapter of the Bible, it's, it's not just about digging down into all the words that are used, it's getting a, a sense of the tone. And as you read those 11 verses from 1 Peter 5, did you get the sense of a gentle person, a gentle person with a pastor's heart, really looking out for the folk that are there under him. He starts it off in a very simple way. He says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. He didn't start off by saying, I am the bishop of Rome, the rock of the church, the first disciple, the one that Jesus called first, and therefore I am telling you how you should do it. He just simply said, elders, leaders, I'm coming along beside you because 
I know what it is to lead God's people. So let me encourage you. It's a real humility of leadership. Now that word elder, the Greek word is presbyteros, from which we get our word presbyter, from which we get the expression presbyterian. I'll come back on to that maybe later. But it's an originally a Jewish term, and it simply meant those in the community, might be in the synagogue or it just might be in the village, that were sort of instinctively seen as those who were the leaders. Not necessarily people who had been put in any special office, but those who were respected as the leaders. And as the disciples went out and they planted new churches and they drew communities, what they would do as they left and moved on to start the next city is they would appoint among the people that had been gathered there and become Christians, elders. They'd appoint one or two folk who seemed to have the right gifts to lead the church. Now, it wasn't that they had to sign on as charitable trustees because they had to look after a building and do the maintenance work and, and all the stuff that goes with it today. They were simply people who were asked to lead the new believers, to teach the new believers, to direct them and encourage them. And what Peter is saying to these elders is, you are doing just the same thing that Jesus called me to do. We're fellow elders together. Now, it's interesting that our Presbyterian structure literally means that we are governed, we are led, not by people above us, by bishops, but by the local leaders in a place, people who live and work among us. But what we're talking about today isn't just for those that are elders here. It's actually for anybody that is in any position of Christian influence or leadership. So it would apply um, equally to those of you who are leading in the Sunday school, in a boys' brigade, those of you who are involved in leading in the guild or any other organization, or those that just have influence and you're aware you have influence on other younger Christians, that God has put you in that role. It might apply to parents as well. And here is what Peter begins by saying to these fellow elders. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. It's interesting that um, the Bible often refers to us as God's people as being God's flock. We're sheep. Or somebody said, we are the sheeple of God. You know, did you know you were sheep? What's your response to being told you're sheep? Yeah, bah! And of course you're sheep, aren't you? Because you're cuddly, cute, soft, and photogenic. That's what it means, doesn't it? Uh, no. No, it doesn't. Actually, sheep are stupid. They're wayward. They're helpless. They follow the crowd. That is the idea of sheep, is actually, when, we, when we're called the sheep in the Bible, it, it means that we're actually quite vulnerable. I, I, I was reading something the other day about sheep, and it, it, it pointed out this. If, if, you, if you have any other type of animal, it doesn't behave like a sheep. A sheep, if you open the, the, the pen of a, a, a gate, a gate of a, a field, any other animal will do one of two things. Either it will bolt and make its bid for freedom, 
or it will be intelligent enough to know that actually it's well fed where it is and so it, so it will stay put because it knows that its master feeds it. A sheep won't do either of those things. It will just wander. In fact, what happens often when you open a sheep gate um, is that the sheep just wanders up and down and gets stressed because it doesn't know what to do. That's a sheep for you. Little Bo Peep, sheep, doesn't know where to find them. Leave them alone and they'll come home wagging their tails behind them. Actually, that's garbage. Sheep will not know how to get home. It won't have a clue. It will just get stressed. But the thing about sheep in this image that the Bible uses of sheep is both that the sheep are very vulnerable, but there's another part of the image. And it's a reason why God doesn't call us the herd, but the flock. Because sheep also have a very particular relationship with their shepherd. The shepherd sleeps among the sheep. The shepherd tends caringly for the sheep, and the sheep get to know the shepherd. I was reading something else that, that, that was talking about a, a, a shepherd, and he'd taken the sheep to market, and then he was passing by the, 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 play, the field that they'd been put in, um, in the train, and the sheep came to him because the sheep recognized who he was. You are the sheeple of God. You are God's flock. And this is a, a huge image in Scripture where God talks about himself as being the shepherd of the people. Famously in Psalm 23, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that whole image of God leading the sheep, looking after the sheep, tending the sheep, protecting the sheep. And of course, that image of the gentleness of God was written by a shepherd, wasn't it? It was written by King David, who actually knew what it was to have that relationship with the sheep. And here's the thing, that as, as David protected the sheep, as David later on became a king, that image of, of God being the shepherd became an, another image of God appointing shepherds, under shepherds, to look after his sheep. And that becomes another very strong image in the Bible of the king, of the leader of God's people as being the shepherd of my people Israel. The shepherd of my people Israel. And that will go on being used in Scripture of those that lead the people of God, that lead the people of God, that look after and care for God's valuable people. And it, it uses a criticism as well. In, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, there is a message given, and it starts like this. Therefore, shepherds, listen to the Lord's message. Shepherds doesn't mean those that look after sheep. It means the leaders of God's people. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, my sheep have become prey and food for wild beasts because there was no shepherds, and the shepherds did not search for the flock, but fed themselves and did not feed my sheep. And you will find that criticism again in the Bible. I gave you my sheep to look after. I gave you the things I love and I care for and I look after. And you have abused them and you have neglected them and you have let them wander off. What type of shepherds are you? Corrupt and in it for yourselves. And then in the midst of all of that, of God's people going astray, Jesus comes. What does he say? I am the good shepherd. 
because I care for my sheep, because they know my name, because I give myself for them. All like sheep have gone astray, turned each one to his own way. But I have taken them on myself and I lay down my life for them. And if you take nothing else from this passage today, take that idea of Jesus who loves you so much, who loves you so much that he has laid down his life for you. And he comes to you in gentleness as he calls you back. Peter talks about the people of God. In chapter 1, he said, you like sheep have gone astray, but you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You know, Jesus' love for the sheep is shown right through the Gospels. That lovely image, isn't there, of, of Jesus saying the shepherd has a hundred sheep, but he goes after that one. Maybe you're that one today. Maybe you're here today because the Lord is trying to reach out to you and tell you of his love and bring you back into that place where you know him and have a relationship him. So this passage is about the care, the gentleness of our, our, our shepherd. And I, I love that verse, verse 7. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. It's a great memory verse if you do memory verses. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you like that stressed sheep running up and down, doesn't know where he's going. Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Your shepherd is here. But what this passage is saying, as Peter addresses the elders, he says to them, you've to be shepherds. You have to be shepherds of God's sheep. And again, that's a strange thing to say until you think what Jesus' last words before the ascension were to Peter as he took Peter in all his failures and he said to him, feed my sheep, look after my lambs. And here's Peter saying to the leaders of the church, that commission applies to you to look after the sheep to care for them. This is what we share together in any form of Christian leadership. And it is an awesome responsibility because this is God's flock. God has put into your hands the most precious thing that He possibly could. You ever had that experience of somebody handing you a baby and you don't know which way up to hold it? And you're suddenly grabbing on because you suddenly realize that what you have in your arms is incredibly vulnerable and incredibly valuable. And it's like that. That's what Peter's saying. God has put into your hands something that is very valuable to him. He died. His son died for these sheep. And now you are being given them. And this is an awesome responsibility, the most precious thing. That's what Jesus communicated to Peter on the shore of Galilee that day when he told him to feed my sheep, look after my lambs. He was saying to Peter who had failed him in so many ways, he was saying to him, I trust you, I love you so much, I am going to give to you, put into your hands my most precious thing. If you are a leader 
in any sense in God's church. And most folk here, many folk here, are in some way. You have been given an awesome responsibility. You know, sometimes, and I'll say this to the elders among you and to those that are on the board and those that are involved in, in committees, you think you've got an awesome responsibility because you've been charged with the legacy of D.L. St. Andrews. You're responsible for maintaining this building. You've got to have the safety reports done and the risk assessments done, and you've got to make sure the finances are right, and so we scrutinize the finances to make sure that it's all done correctly and all the right accounts and we're spending money in responsible ways. Well, yeah, those things are important, but they really, really, really are not important compared to what God has given you. The gift that He gives you are those people whom He died for in His Son. And in the long strength of it, God came and He loved those people so much that He's given you. He didn't love this building. He didn't love the structure of the Church of Scotland. He didn't love all those other things that we take and, 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 and do matter in, in some ways. But He gave you people, and, and your job is to stop them wandering. It's to keep them close where they're safe spiritually, where they can grow and be fed, to care for them. What's our model of leadership as Christians? To return back to the conservative leadership contest, what's the role model that Mr. Sunak and uh, Ms. Mrs. Trust, Ms. Trust are, 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 have got? They're all competing, aren't they, to see who's the real Thatcherite. The model is, is Mrs. Thatcher for the conservative party. What is the model that Peter gives here? I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness to Christ's sufferings. I saw how Jesus loved, how Jesus suffered, how Jesus gave Himself for me on the cross. I saw how Jesus didn't try to grab power and authority and lord it over us, but He served us. He, you know that guy washed our feet? That's the model, to be like Jesus. And Peter will say in this, it, it mustn't be about dishonest gain. Too many folk are in things for money. That's the whole point he makes about the hired shepherds. The hired shepherds might do a reasonable job most of the time, but they don't love the sheep. They love the cash that they get for the job. And therefore, if it becomes a choice between the job and, 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 and their safety, they'll choose their safety and they'll off when the wolf comes. But the folk that love the sheep will always stay. Will always stay. They're not in it for themselves. Uh, there's a, an American evangelist. He's gone into the newspapers a, a while ago. He's got a great name, Creflo Dollar. Just says it all, doesn't it? Creflo Dollar wrote out to his followers and asked them for money because he had a project he wanted to fund. Now, we do that as a church. We say we, we need money to, to keep things going. Are you able to give? He wanted a jet. He needed have had a new jet. He already had one, I think. And it was going to cost $64 million. And so he asked his people, would they give him the money so he could get the jet, because that would enable him to do God's work. Would Jesus have done that? 
But you see, all the time in churches where we have a little bit of power or in business where we have a little bit of power or in a family where we have a little bit of power, there is always that temptation, isn't there, just to make sure that I'm getting the respect that I'm due, that I'm getting the position that I'm due. It happens in churches as well, by the way. We, we, we use the responsibilities we've got to get our own way. We all do. I do it too. But the Jesus example of really saying, I'm here to serve and give myself for the sheep. Not lording it over the others, but serving with a humility. It's interesting that what he says here in, in verse 5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. That's a great verse, isn't it? The young folks should do what I tell them. Uh, and I think many of you who are maybe a little older think that's a great verse, isn't it? You should submit to your elders. You should do what you're told. But you see, it's interesting when Scripture does this and it, it singles out one group and it says you need humility. Um, it, it generalizes. The reason this, this passage is saying this to, to, to young folk is it's actually saying to all of us, if there are people who are over you in the Lord, maybe not structurally, but they just may be people who you know are wise and, and you know are mature, respect that. Learn from that. Be humble enough to be teachable. Be humble enough to accept a rebuke. Be humble enough that when someone comes and says, you're not doing that right, rather than getting defensive, of saying, what can I learn from this? Be humble enough to say, I need help. Be humble enough to say, I don't understand. Can someone help me? Be humble enough to share your problems with each other so that you can get the assistance you need. One of the biggest problems in churches is not that there's a lack of people willing to help people. It's there's a lack of people willing to say, I need help. And therefore, people wander off in their faith because they've not had the humility to say, I'm struggling. Will someone pray with me? I've got questions. Can you help me? But that humility is something more than that because, you see, it's very easy sometimes to take one verse and say, this group of people should be doing what they're told. There's another part of, of, of the letters where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Lots of people got a problem with that, right? Feminism gets offended. But the problem is it's taken out of context because that verse, wives submit to your husband, starts off with a verse that says, submit to one another, all of you. And it ends up with the next verse which says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, which means submitting to her needs washing her feet, going to the cross for her. And so suddenly, one bit that's saying wives should be submissive is actually in the context of saying husbands should submit as Jesus served, and all of us should submit to one another. That puts a whole different spin on it, doesn't it? It's the same here. Young men, submit to your elders because that's humility that lets you grow. But in the context of this passage, Peter is also saying all of you need humility. And that's, by the way, going to be more difficult if you're in any type of leadership role, because that's the place where it's easy to get puffed up. 
And if we are to grow together, if we are to make sure that we come together as God's sheep, that we're looked after, and that we look after one another, then we need humility. By the way, I will say again in this passage, elders is not necessarily an age thing. Just remember that Jesus was in his 30s, died. When Peter was told to care for those sheep, Peter was probably in his early 20s, and John was a teenager, and they were put in charge, and people were told to submit to them because God had given them a charisma, a calling to be leaders. So it's not necessarily an age thing at all. The point is that we become teachable and humble and submit, and all of our leadership modeled on Christ. And what's it all about? It's about enabling us to grow. It's about enabling us to stay close. It's about preventing us wandering off. Very practically today, um, folk were saying to me as they came in that there are people who they don't see in church um, uh, and disappointed that they hadn't seen them. Can I, can I just simply say all of us can take a responsibility there. Is there someone that you, you've missed? You haven't seen them around? Are you able to give them a call? Do you know them? Speak to them? Encourage them? Care for them? That, that responsibility does rest with those of us that are elders, but it, it, it is a responsibility that we also share together as we grow together. If you are today needing help, ask. Find someone whose maturity, whose leadership you can respect and you can come to. But more than all of that, know that God loves you and cares for you. His son gave his life for you and you matter to him. Cast all your anxieties on him for he cares for you. Amen. Let's sing together, the Lord's my shepherd.